Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Nickel IDP podcast. I am your host, John Macri, PFF's IDP specialist and data analyst. This episode, uh, we're doing something a little different because instead of focusing on the IDP side of fantasy football, we're going to shift our focus for this episode uh, and talk about a brand new version of fantasy football called All22, which some of you may have heard of by now, a platform that has seized a rare opportunity to completely kind of revolutionize and evolve fantasy football with an entirely new and innovative way of playing the game that we love. So, I don't know about you, but I feel like talking all 22. Let's get it. I am excited to dive into this episode and discuss all the things that make All22 great and exciting and and cover what it is and strategies, etc. And luckily for everyone listening, I don't have to do that by myself because joining me, someone who is just as excited about this platform as I am from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and First Ballot IDP Content Hall of Famer, Mr. Tom Kislingberry is back on the show. Tom, how are you, my friend? Really good, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I am feeling good. Um, we were just talking about this off air. I I had two options. I was either going to do something today or last night, and you made me go to the pub last night. So I've been hungover all day, um, and I'm finally getting a little bit of energy back. Um, so I'm super happy talking about football. You know what? I'm gonna. Can I take us off uh, off um, target straight away? Sorry, when you were talking, uh, yeah, I love no, go ahead. Uh, PFFs, uh, IDP expert. So I've got a question. You obviously work with all guys at PFF, um, and sure. we can talk about this with all 22 today because one of the biggest things that we see in in IDP, right, is people go, oh, "It's weird. This is a small thing." And our argument is normally IDP is for football fans. Offense only football, where you only follow six players out of 22 on the field, is just for people who watch the ball a little bit. I don't want to be rude about them. Anyone can watch what they want. But two questions. One, is anybody else at PFF an IDP person? Uh, Don't name names, but I'm interested in that. And secondly, the question that sort of feeds that is, do you have that weird sort of schism at PFF between people that just care about offensive players and really like skilled players? Or is it just because of who you are as a company, everyone likes everyone on the field? Yeah, that's a good question. So as far as like the data side goes, I think like everybody, like, so I work on on both sides, right? I work on our content mm-hmm. side doing IDP and I work on uh, our data analytics side. Um, so that that kind of gives me a rare chance to see both sides of PFF um, uh, as what they are. But from the data side, I think everybody kind of appreciates um, like all positions, right? Even like offensive line, uh, we get a lot of love uh, with offensive linemen and stuff like that, which isn't fantasy related until uh, all 22 until came now. along, that is, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, we definitely get the appreciation there. And I think on the content side, there is like our NFL guys, um, like the Steve Palazzolos and Sam Monsons and uh, Mike Renner, et cetera. Like those guys, they they dive into all positions. So I think they, they do appreciate it more. Fantasy wise, I think... You know, I think there's a little bit of um, IDP appreciation, like a very small amount. I, like I know uh, Nathan Yonke and, and Dwayne McFarland both play a little bit of IDP. Um, 
I don't know if Ian Harditz does. That's a I I haven't actually asked him, but um, but yeah, it, it's it's like the, the the like fantasy football world in general, right? It's a very small corner, and and I think our like yep. even our fantasy our PFF fantasy like social media team kind of uh, shows that as well. I don't I don't get the IDP graphics made of of my rankings and stuff <laughs> like <laughs> like everybody else, which could be a good thing. So I don't have the masses coming out coming from my head my head, but uh, yeah, it's it's still super niche even within uh, PFF. Yeah, you can drop your Micah Parsons uh, Micah Parsons at LB thirteen with impunity, and right, nobody right. wants to burn down your house. Yeah, that would <laughs> that would definitely set the the fantasy world on fire. I'm sure. Because all right, anyway, no. sorry for derailing us. Um, I didn't no. plan on doing that at all, but I'm, I'm filled with excitement now. Yeah. So all 22. You sort of touched on it there, right? We're going to talk about offensive line now. Hands up. I, I've been watching football for for about 25 years, and for most of that time, I've said that I I don't claim to know anything about the offensive line. I don't follow. I don't right. watch. I, I can't. I can't follow every single player. It's just not enough. And I like yeah. to pretend I don't talk about players that I don't really know uh, and make stuff up. So, and I'm sure. studying hard because you suddenly got to, you know, there's another uh, 150 players that you've got to be really familiar with and understand how they rank and how they fit together and blah blah blah. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting, right? Like offensive line. I think yeah, you're right. Specifically, like that's the one like position group as a whole that a lot of people don't really know a lot about it. They'll see like highlights and they'll see lowlights of, of offensive linemen, but everything in between kind of just gets lost in, in the void, right? We don't know what these players are doing and what they look like on a, on a consistent basis. We know, you know, when we somebody posts a clip on Twitter of them either giving up a sack or, or pancaking a, a defensive lineman, right? Those are the things that we see and we make our assumptions based on that with offensive line. But the good thing I think for offensive line for fantasy purposes and, and using the PFF data is that it's one of the the more the positions that we really get to see them graded on on a play-by-play basis. Like we really we see that for every position, but like for cornerbacks, for example they're graded when they're targeted for the most part, right? Um, Where offensive linemen, they're going head to head with a defensive lineman or pass rusher, whoever uh, on a, on a regular basis. So their, their grades I find are really uh, like really good to kind of, to look at as far as like judging who's good and who's not. Um, And they're pretty consistent as well. So that, that's always nice to see with that position. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about it. And linemen are hard because quite often you talk to people and, you know, most football people are, are, are fans of a certain team uh, and you talk about a certain player, offensive linemen is pretty easy and you go, this guy gives up a lot of pressure. And they go, no, he doesn't. I watch every game. Um, he doesn't. And and you're they're probably right. I, on 90, easily 90% of snaps, they're probably not giving up pressure and messing anything up. It, but, you know, giving up pressure on 10% of your snaps is really bad. Uh, so... A disastrous game is giving up 10 pressures, right? I mean, that would be absurd if you did that out of 65 plays. So whatever 55 is divided by 65, my adult brain can't do it today. But this is this is why the world was so different before PFF, because you didn't know. You have no idea. Even if you watch every game, you know, in, in real time, you just can't. You can't watch every player. Quite often people say, oh, yeah, I, I watched that certain player. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't really, because you're just watching your team and they're on the screen, but either... You're, you're watching your own offense and therefore you're not watching the defense. You're watching their defense, in which case you're less qualified to talk about your own offense. Or you can watch more than one thing uh, at a time. And people always go, yeah, I can do that. And you go, brilliant. I'll show you a play. Go back. Tell me where X lined up or what he was doing. And you go, I've got no idea because you can't do it. Human brains can't do that. We, we have to focus. We're predators. 
Yeah. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Let's get back to all 22. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're, you're right, though, right? That's that's kind of the, the beauty of, of what we, we, we do at PFF. And I know not everybody agrees with the grades and whatever, but you know, we, we could look at every single play from multiple angles and have multiple sets of eyes on it through different processes uh, to kind of come up with a collective grade on a player. So um, it's it's definitely different than just watching somebody through broadcast on, on a Sunday and saying, you know, this guy looked like he was playing real well out there. What did PFF grade him? And then they're surprised when he actually didn't grade that well. So. Yeah, I mean, just I, I know I keep going off on these sidetracks. Um, I think it's a really good exercise for anybody listening home um which who i assume is a fan of defense to just have a go not necessarily grading but actually just doing a little bit of charting just pick a drive pick a drive and go uh, on the defensive side who's on the field how are they changing their personnel how are they lining up why is this linebacker in the slot over here why is it and you'll 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 notice really really quickly that players are way less predictable and solid than you think they are you know so people draw up their little defenses in the summer of 11 defenders in this little madden package and and football just doesn't look like that which sounds stupid but it doesn't and as soon as you work through it play by play you you realize that instantly yeah and i think actually a good example of like people realizing that how different it is is like when we do our part-time hiring um waves in the off season is we get a bunch of people that uh sign on to kind of do like player participation for example so it's it's exactly that it's charging charting which players line up where on the field every single play and you get a ton of football fans that apply everybody loves watching football and then they, they start to get into it and they realize that this is a lot harder than uh what i expected <laughs> and it's because it, it, a lot changes play to play right you can't just type in you know micah parsons is lined up at linebacker and then lock that in for the next rest of the drive right you pretty much have to be changing that every single time and i I think that becomes a lot for people so um only you know the the people that are are really uh kind of focused in on that stuff and 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 love it are the ones that uh that stay on so it's it's a lot of work but uh we we enjoy it for sure have you heard that old Thomas Dimitrov uh, story? I think it's in a, in a Patriots book. And he says um, when he started at the Patriots, and, you know, he was sent off by Belichick to chart out some stuff. And he went and did that. And he, and he gave it to Belichick. And he went, no, 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 I want you to do it this way. And sat down with him uh, <laughs> and, like, watched every play 20 times and was writing down to within 10 centimetres where people were lining up. And Dimitrov's going, I, I'll never see my family again. I, I can't do this. This is going to be my life. Uh, and that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's why we have such a big team of people here, right? Because it, it takes a, a, a literal army to kind of chart everything that we do. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad that, that All22 is using the PFF data. There's nothing else out there quite like it. I, I may be slightly biased, but I, I don't believe that there there's anything that comes close. So it's it makes it pretty cool for, for fantasy purposes to be able to kind of um, see how those grades affect our like fantasy scores now um, for this for this platform. So it's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all 22, what it is, how it works, um, what makes uh, it different from our typical fantasy leagues, uh, scoring strategies. Um, we'll talk a little bit about positional scarcity, all of that kind of stuff. So I hope everyone is excited uh, as we are. So we'll jump into it. And actually, before I even do that, there is uh, a promo code for anybody that does want to give this a try. I'll say it again at the end. But uh, if you use the promo code IDP show, all one word you'll get 40% off uh, all 22 access. And that gives you 
like really what we're going to go into a truly unique kind of dynasty experience uh jam-packed with features the guys bobby ray and chris designed a really gorgeous website and platform to play on uh there's pff data included in there as well uh which is something you would need a pff subscription for most of the time so um and it'll give you unlimited league access uh which you love to see so uh, with that being said, we will get into it and I guess start with uh, with what it is, um, right? So uh, it's basically what we've kind of been talking about. It's a, it's a dynasty fantasy football experience that allows for every single position, uh, including offensive linemen for the first time, uh, where player scoring is based on their actual on field performance using like those pff grades and and luckily there's nobody out there that disagrees with the pff grading system so that should make everybody universally happy uh <laughs> as well right so um yeah I, again kind of unbiased as i as i can be i think using the pff grades makes the most sense uh if you're going to build a true kind of on-field performance-based uh, fantasy football platform that doesn't just rely on those counting stats, right? There's so much more that goes into what uh, makes a good football player than just what they do in the box score. Yeah, there's nothing else that does that. And and I, you, you talked about counting stats there as well. We should probably talk about that. So everyone, most people by now have come to realize that the IDP side of things is way more dominated by volume than even five years ago we thought it was you know for linebackers and safeties in particular volume equals scoring it's just minor variations and usage on that cornerback is not that far away frankly uh defensive line is a bit different because pass rush is about skill more than volume blah blah blah. but that when you talk about that on the offensive side as well volume is way more important than i used to think it was uh so running backs touches equals yardage and then you just get touchdown percentage that varies but even quarterbacks as well um, and we talk about quarterback as the most important um position in football and the gradation between your patrick mahomes and your tours is wildly different unless you're tyreek hill in which case you, you got it a little bit wrong way <laughs> but if you look at just you know volume of of attempts versus yardage it's like a straight line right? so all of the stuff that we see on a weekly basis sort of minor variation on a large data so look we love football we love fantasy football but <laughs> the biggest problem is it, it basically measures how much players play not how good they are yeah so you know i've been waiting something like this for years I, in fact uh so shout out uh, a couple of people um someone someone raised an old twitter chat with me uh this week and said look uh we, we were talking about this thing three years ago where we were like talking about manually using pff grades for offensive linemen and building a league on it and this is basically that so you know i've literally been waiting for years for this to happen yeah yeah i've had a few people reach out to me like even before i i knew that this um product existed like, like before we beta tested it last year and yeah it's the same thing a lot of people i think they're interested in this and even if it's just uh, finding a way to work offensive linemen into fantasy uh by themselves right people have been interested in that i think there's there's something to be said about the, the idp community if we're playing with defensive players we're obviously a little bit more into the uh the degenerate football side of, of fantasy than than others and we're probably going to get to the offensive linemen at some point so this is kind of a cool way to do that but yeah, like you said, like coming back to that, like it's not just the volume that matters anymore, right? It, it's what these players can actually do with those touches and, and the volume when they're on the field. There's so much more to, you know, um, 
like for example, like how many tackles they make or, or interceptions, touchdowns, sacks, all of those things there's that there's kind of like a ton of nuance to um, the PFF grades, I think kind of really suss out like the true quality of each and every player um, on every single play when it comes to those things. So I think right away, all 22 kind of nails the the system for how they choose to, to score players in, in my opinion, anyways. And, and in all 22, you're going to have a, a whole NFL team, right? So I'm just yeah. looking at the list here, but quarterback, running back, one running back, not four running backs that you cram into your offensive line, uh, like in some weird parody of what football is. <laughs> uh, tight end, couple of tackles, couple of guards, center, and blah, 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 a, a defense. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So what I'm getting slightly ahead, what's really interesting about this is scarcity versus value. You can build teams in different ways. So you, you can sort of do that in an IDP league. But really, we know that some positions are way more scarce than others. And therefore, you invest them, right? You you sort of need to have an elite tight end and an edge rusher because there's not many of those guys. Um, there's no point in, in really going after a, a star cornerback because he's not different from another 50 uh, guys. So mm-hmm. now that we can look at this, the curve's totally different, right? The 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 number of really brilliant tight ends is fairly similar to the number of really brilliant cornerbacks and similar drop-off between those two. So you've got a legit question. Do I go after, um, I was going to say Kelsey, but he's old. So uh, let's talk about um, Kittle instead or Jalen Ramsey. You know, that's a legitimate question. It never really has been before. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's luckily like to like, they've, they've kind of put together this, this positional weight chart too, to kind of show which, um, positions might score a little bit better based on their grades um, based on how like the NFL values them too right so uh, in a case like that you know if you're looking for a tiebreaker between a Jalen Ramsey or a George Kittle you might you might lean corner but other people might look at the tight end position and say you know it's basically it's George Kittle um, Mark Andrews uh, Darren Waller like who grades well at that position would they not everybody knows, right? But we know kind of who's good. Uh, so we might target that where corner, you know, again, it might be a deeper position even still, like you say. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot of different strategies and ways to build the team, like you said. Um, I think first and foremost, it's probably most people are drafting quarterback first now, right? Um, in, a, in a 12-team league. But we'll see. Yeah, it's it. Everybody's going to have a different strategy. If like where I'm picking in our draft, we have our our IDP uh, Avengers League that we still haven't drafted yet. But I'm picking tenth uh, overall. You get a nice uh, second overall spot, so I'm sure we'll see. Uh, you get uh, a pretty good that. option there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'll, I'll definitely be going quarterback first. Um, yeah, because, you know the the classic. I think it's Thomas Dimitrov again quote, which is um, you know if if you haven't got a franchise quarterback, you are consumed by the desire to find one. And it's going to be a little bit like that um, in a way that's not. So let's talk about the positional weight thing a little bit, because I think that's really interesting. So broadly, every week, and, um, you know, all of the players in your starting lineup, we'll get to that in a minute, um, is going to get a grade. uh, And it varies slightly by position, blah, blah, blah. But roughly 60-ish average, anything over 90, brilliant. Anything under 50, pretty ropey. Um, And then you've got Storm Norton, down there getting his 20s and Kalen Ballard and people like that. Yeah. But they're not all just going to be added together for your score, right? Because as in the NFL, your quarterback is more important than, uh, you know, your interior uh, lineman. Uh, so it's going to get multiplied by this percentage. That means uh, your total score will have each percentage represented by a certain amount. Oh, I explained that really badly, but you know what I mean, because you've seen it. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that's exactly it, right? So for example, on offense, um the the positional weight for quarterback is 9.78%, so nearly 10%, whereas if you're looking at somebody like a running back for example who PFF obviously uh is behind the running backs don't matter uh movement, but um it, it's only 3.44%, right? So the positional weight scoring heavily favors the, the the quarterback almost by three times as much uh and then you're looking at positions like edge rusher which is around six percent wide receiver which is a little more than five percent right you're really looking to build your fantasy team the way that an nfl gm would try to build uh their team right so um attacking that quarterback position first and then hitting on positions of value uh unless you know you're looking to draft like a linebacker in the first round which a lot of teams still do uh in the nfl same thing with running back so there's obviously going to be a few outliers there but there is some positional scarcity with the with those positions as well sorry i just struck me can we talk about running back a little bit so yeah one one of the things that happened with running back you know this endless argument about how, how good they are in, in the fantasy world you go well running backs don't really matter uh because so much of what they produce is is created by the offensive line and people sort of understandably go well there's no offensive lineman in fantasy though so i'm, I'm using that running back as a proxy for the for all those players as well okay sort of i get it but that's out the window, right? That's gone because we literally have got an offensive line here. So uh, let's talk about the Colts. Now, <laughs> wherever you are on the spectrum of Jonathan Taylor's amazing, he's a game break himself, or he's running behind Quentin Nelson, who's stupidly good, blah, 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 blah. Um, now you can put your money where your mouth is, right? Because yep. you can go and get Quentin Nelson if, if you think he's a difference maker. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? There's a, a definitely an aspect to the, that offensive, like running back production um being related to the offensive line play, right? If the offensive line isn't opening up holes for the running back, there's a pretty good chance that running back's not getting the yardage they need. You look at uh, Najee Harris last year, who had a ton of volume, who's still a good fantasy back, but he really didn't do much uh, at, on a per carry basis, right? So kind of for running back specifically for this, it's, it's what they're doing with those with those touches. Can they, you know, add something extra to the holes that are given to them uh, from the offensive linemen? Are they able to add some burst to their play and get a first down? Can they make a good cut and, and force a missed tackle, things like that. And looking at kind of like, just kind of sticking with the running backs, looking at the, what the grading kind of looks like for them. Some of the things that are more stable, it's one of the positions that is a lot less sticky. I think year over year as to who (laughs) grades well, um, because it's a lot of it is so dependent on, on offensive line play and and things like that. So um, there's, there's a few things that are, that we do find like are stable, but then, you know, being it still being able to hit on those year over year is, is pretty wildly uh, inconsistent. Yeah, it should be really interesting. Um, I, what, I'm, what I want to see, and we'll talk about this a bit more, is is what different managers in All-22 value. So some guys going to be like, oh, I want a blood and gut straight up the middle, smash them, power back. You know, Nick Chubb's my boy. Uh, I think that's what quality looks like. And some people are going to go, well, actually, I'm, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think in the modern NFL, then being great receiver is more important. So, you know, whoever you want to talk about, uh, that's the sort of back I'm going to put together. And, and they'll have the James Whites of the world and Alvin Kamara sitting there. And they might both be right. You know, they're all they're all legitimate ways forward. Nobody's going to go, I want a blocking back because, you know, running backs don't block in the NFL. <laughs> you, you know this more than me, but the top uh, blocking backs in the NFL block, what, four, five times a game? Some, something like that? It's not more yeah. than that, apart from a couple of chips. Um 
have I told you my theory about running back? This is really, well, I think it's interesting. So we're getting off okay, the topic. Go Sorry. <laughs> so okay, go I'm with you. Offensive line is a massive determiner of running back success. I mean, clearly, we, we watch football. We understand that it's when you run into a gap, it's much easier than running into a 300-pound man who wants to kill you, generally. That, that's yeah. what my night in the pub was like last night. Um, <laughs> however, when you look, again, over decent scale, a season scale, then if you look at carries versus yardage, again, you get this really, really strong correlation. Like it, It's basically a straight line. So how can those two things be true? Uh, either really good offensive lines make more and therefore those backs should be more uh, efficient or or it's not because that's what we observe. So my theory here is that the way we're picking up when we when we look at the actual data is that good offensive lines create volume because you're, you're having a similar sort of production on a per play basis and a macro basis, but because you're doing it more efficiently, you're just creating longer drives and more plays and therefore you look at the uh, the the ones that are having to keep on, on the on the field and play more, blah, 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 blah. Passing league, running backs aren't a good indication of volume anyway. So really the difference in fantasy from good offensive line comes in available touches and volume rather than a per-touch efficiency. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that, but it, it makes sense, right? You look at teams like the 49ers who have good run blockers, the Browns, uh, for example, very good offensive line, so they're going to play to their strengths, right? And that, that helps uh, create that volume and that production as well. So I love that. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, let's see here. What do I got? So one of the big, uh, differences I think people might find, like, as they kind of play this, uh, this, uh, platform is that when the player grades are, are calculated from PFF, they come in, uh, we, we do them live, but they don't actually go live to the public until, uh, Monday morning, usually, um, Tuesday for, for Monday night football games, but because they're getting reviewed Sunday night and well into Monday morning, um, those grades, we're not going to be able to see like a live scoring tracker when we're Mm -hmm. following along our all 22 PFF leagues, Um, which, okay, you know, it it could be a big deal to some, but I don't really uh, see a big problem in that because for the most part, most of us are playing multiple. Yeah, exactly. We're watching the games. We're following along a million other fantasy leagues that we're in as well um, that do have live scoring. So it's just kind of like a nice uh, treat to get uh, on Tuesday morning and a surprise for, uh, for fantasy. But I think that's important to, to notice is that there isn't, really a live tracker i know the guys have talked about um hoping to get that in there at at some point but i don't know how much that would uh be possible just because of i know how the the review process goes right so um, oh now let's talk about that Uh, on on your average game let's say you're reviewing you know uh roughly what 130 snaps a game plus another 10 special teams or whatever that is when you send it off and you go i've done this i've nailed it this week how many of those plays get sent back to you and someone goes no 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 you've totally clowned at the fullback on this play made a huge mistake not a big play um oh yeah like what percentage are we looking at um i'd say it's anywhere well for the most part like people doing the like the nfl grading the accuracy from live broadcast to when it's reviewed is is in the 90 percentile um until we we turn it around get the the coaches film and stuff like that and can see it from different angles so there's there's definitely probably i mean 20 30 plays that you're going to look at and and see you know there's there's some discrepancies here in what we saw in the broadcast and then what uh the the review team saw on broadcast and uh coaches film so there there is definitely always going to be some uh 
difference there. So to sort of rely on just the live grades, I think could be there could be some discrepancies, I guess, from if we're if we try to do live tracking. But my buddy who, who watches, you know, highlights of every uh, game every week tells me that I'm wrong on all these players. So it must be right. way easier than that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot more that you see on, on the coach's film, like especially just for coverages, right? Um, you could say like a cornerback busted on a play watching it from bar- broadcast, but you don't know if he's supposed to be playing, you know, in a cover three look or if he's supposed to be playing uh, cover two and he's supposed to be sitting in the flat. We don't know that until we actually see the full scope of the play. So there's there's a lot of things like that that, that can get changed um do you remember that thing on twitter a few months ago where some dude was like cover six doesn't exist it's made up i mean like, <laughs> come on man <laughs> i mean I, it's yeah I, I i i don't understand there's there's so much uh nuance to like coverages and things like that that to say one doesn't exist a million different coverages exist they all have their own variations right so um cover six does exist for the record <laughs> uh, we do track it um but yeah, so so that's just a, a quick note on the scoring. Um, like Can I, I said, talk about it, one more positional weight? Oh Sorry, yeah, yeah. Buddy. No, um, the only one that I'm, they all make total sense to me. I'm really happy with those. The only one that I feel a little bit sad about is safety. Um, and I think this is really interesting, actually. So safety at the moment is worth 3.78%. So a little bit more than uh, running backs, uh, a little bit less than, or about the same as a guard. Uh, so that's not ideal. Now, I, I sort of get why. And the data is calculated using how much NFL teams are actually paying for players right so that they're talking with their wallets so they're not dissembling or lying what i i find i think safety is is really really important um and not in a per play because you you know on an average play rarely is the safety making a great play so when you're grading games you're, you're not going to have that many plus two marks for a safety play right big interception crazy chase down whatever but there's not going to have that many opportunities to do it because either in the box and it's not that difficult expected uh, levels or they're, they're playing deep and most of the time they're not going to make a play but so much of what nfl defense doing now is predicated on safeties you know for years and years you know this anyway people are like oh this this offensive guy is a mismatch he's he's too fast for a linebacker and he's too big for a, a cornerback you go, yeah, yeah yeah the way nfl teams have changed over the last decade is combat that with safeties, right? So, so if you have a flexible athlete who can do anything on the field, that's called safety now. It's just, you know, we use the term safety, which means a little skinny guy standing in the back shivering. Um, you Right there but behind you, you've got a picture of Derwin James' uh, jersey. Great example. He didn't line up deep. And like two years ago, when he only played, you know, a little bit, he, he literally didn't line up deep the whole uh, season. And, and there's lots and lots of examples of players that do the same thing. So, okay, the individual player might not be getting great grade on any given player in the NFL aren't paying for that many of them. But the fact that safeties allow you to do those other things is really important to defense as a whole. And I think that's a slight query. No, for sure. I, I think, like, just looking at, like, the defensive side, I think, I mean, linebackers becoming a tougher position for teams that maybe don't have those safeties that can do everything. But for the teams that do have it, nobody's asked to do more on the defense, I don't think, than the safety, right? Because they do, like you said, have to come down, play in the slot. they got to be run support to come down deep. They have to be able to know when to disguise coverages and and, and play deep and, and come over the top and, and things like that. There's so much. There's, like they say, you know, the last line of defense, but there's so much more than that. And I, I do think that at some point we're going to see those positional weights uh, kind of raised for safeties just as NFL start to recognize the importance of them a little bit more and, you know, make Fitzpatrick just got a big deal. Um, 
Derwin James is in, in line next to, to get another deal. Jesse Bates is, is holding out, hoping that he might get one as well. So there are some good safeties, I think, that could maybe raise that position away a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's a much more position, uh, much more important position than what kind of the numbers and, and the salary cap shows for sure. Oh, man, I love safeties. Great position. All right. Um, should we talk about substitutions a little bit? And sure. Yeah. So, so every week, in fact, sorry, before that, so you've got a roster, right? So we've got a 50-man roster. Um, we talk about drafting. We're all going to go quarterback early, get your, your franchise in. And then generally after that, I've got no idea what people are going to be doing. <laughs> I, I, some people are going to be going, you know, I, I want my offensive uh, skill positions because that's how they've always done it. Some people are going to be going, I want scarcity and the difference between a Travis Kelsey and an Aaron Donald and a whoever is way bigger than it is at some positions. And some people are going to be going, no, I'm going to build a secondary and I'm going to be, you know, early noughties, Baltimore and blah, blah, blah. So no clue what's happened. But whatever happens, you're going to have 50 players um we'll see what scarcity looks like we'll see what squad profiles but every week you're going to be putting out a starting lineup yep yeah and your starting lineup is going to be 11 offensive players 11 defensive players but there's this auto sub thing so basically if players don't play very much you don't artificially get a great score so yeah classic example cornerback only comes in uh because some other dude's broken for five plays at the end and he he pat, uh, bats one ball down on a hail mary into the end zone and he gets a great uh score for it now it's not fair giving him a 95 um because yeah. that sort of throws everything out um now you guys will at pff just because you, you grade every snap and, and you look at what the average is and that's how it works um not in the old scoring system, uh, but the new one. Um, <laughs> so there's a little bit of both, right? You're sort of trying to build a roster and you're sort of trying to manage weekly lineups at the same time. So interesting to see how that works in practice. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think there's still there's still some element of we want guys that are going to be on the field um, because of this auto-sub as uh, so, uh, feature where if they don't hit the the minimum snap requirements then uh they won't qualify for for a score right or uh, like so like you said that that example with the cornerback coming in at the end of a game like we saw that with Isaiah Simmons in his rookie year remember he had he played like five snaps but he got an interception uh like early in the season and he ended up with a good coverage grade in that one right um so that that's not going to count in all 22 uh we need to be quick pay not quick pay Sorry, Kamoko Turai. Kamoko so, Turai. Yeah. We love Kamoko Turai, right? Because he's a really yeah. good pass rusher. But <laughs> he, he, he only plays 20 snaps a game and they're all third down, pin your ears back, go off the quarterback. Yeah. And he's really good at it, but he's, he's probably going to be a terrible all 22 player because he's never going to play enough. Yeah, he's not going to be in your lineups. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and yeah, and then the same thing too, like it, it's, it's another way that this platform kind of mirrors the nfl right whereas if a guy if he gets injured on the first snap of the game like say bobby wagner got injured on the first snap of the game in week 17 fantasy championship week last year uh then someone in, from your bench would fill that spot to replace them assuming they also meet the minimum snap requirement right so you'd have other linebackers that can step in to replace bobby wagner you're not going to be stuck with a, a big fat zero uh in that spot um so that that's a really cool it's it's kind of like a best ball element but not not quite it's just that uh we want to make sure that those snap requirements are still met and that the grades make sense basically yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah for sure and and i mean i'm I'm a sorry carry on no no go ahead i was was just going to talk about sort of best ball anyway uh now best ball i support best ball and idp because it it most it rewards better edge rushers and cornerbacks you know, our ability to predict whether they're going to have a good week is really, really low 
uh, <laughs> because so much of that is down to chance and whether the quarterback throws the ball at him and whether the quarterback gets the ball away or not on the pass rush, blah, 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 blah. So we're rubbish at doing that, but we can predict who who are pretty good overall. Um, so, yeah, okay, best ball fits better with that, maybe not for offensive players. In this one, it, it doesn't really matter um, right. because you're going to get rewarded. So let's use those two as an example. Your cornerback who, yeah, classic example, the shutdown corner, right? It doesn't really exist anymore. That, that's not so much a thing. But let's talk about this hypothetical player, Namdi Asamoah, who's locked down his guy the whole game, brilliant coverage, uh, super sticky, and the ball just never gets thrown near him. In PFF grades, that's going to be a good result, right? So it doesn't matter. Or a pass rusher, let's say you, your guy out there... Um, Rashan Gary is beating his man every time, getting close to the quarterback, but the quarterback's just getting the ball away because he's playing Tom Brady every week and, and he's got that pocket movement. Again, great score, right? So you need to worry less about best ball because that's already built into the scoring. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? It's 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 the whole thing about, you know, it's every single play that matters and and that that grade come, kind of coming up with the score. And um, yeah, people who were like frustrated with Max Crosby for IDP last year that, you know, he wasn't getting them a sack every single week. They didn't care about the PFF grades, right? I promise you, you won't be frustrated with Max Crosby if if he's continuing to do that again in uh, in this format, right? What's up, everybody? Josh here with the IDP show. Now, if you've been listening to our show for any amount of time, you've probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where league members get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. And the IDP show is making it happen for listeners. We've partnered up with RSO to offer new members 10% off their annual site fee. Just use promo code IDP show after your 14 day trial is complete. So what are you waiting for? With RSO, you have free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Like we said, it's the closest thing you can get to being an NFL general manager. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Just remember to use the promo code IDP Show to get 10% off the site fee. Again, that's promo code IDP Show to get 10% off the site fee for your leagues in 2022. Fantasy just got real with Reality Sports Online. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk about Max Crosby and whether you believe it, I'm I'm so fascinated him this season because yeah. I'm I, he was so good last year. He, he 
led the NFL in, in pressures and he, he's just got that brilliant motor. Do I trust him to do it again this year? I, I want to. I know. I know. I, I, I hear you. I, I tend to think that, you know, he, he he did it and he looked good doing it that he could do it again but i i wouldn't expect that this is the same level of um i guess pff grade and then like pressure rate and and all of those kinds of things like i think he had 100 pressures he was the only person uh player in the league that had 100 pressures to hit that mark again is going to be very very difficult um but he does play a ton and he he looked really good out there so i i don't know i i tend to believe that he'll be close to that uh, and then just kind of convert a little bit more sacks too even if he doesn't create that the same yeah, amount definitely. of pressures right um, i've so, just looked up by the way last year he rushed the passer 173 times played the run 40 snaps and dropped <laughs> 10 snaps so 80 percent of the time he's, he's coming after the passer that's which is hilarious <laughs> yeah and now he's his teammate Mohammed, 57 percent uh you know I, he's an interesting player as well i wonder how he'll do in all 22 because Mohammed is is a Solid, decent, good yeah. NFL player, but it's terrible pass rusher. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Like it it depends, I guess, you know, how good of a run defender he probably is, because it's kind of like Sam Hubbard, right? Like Sam Hubbard's not a great pass rusher, but he's a decent run defender. Um, he's probably still gonna be usable in like a like a depth player type role. Um I, I kind of look at a lot of these guys like how good they are for nfl purposes they could probably be similar to for the like all 22 because um they're going to be on the field and, and they do a decent job en- enough to not lose their job uh obviously it's a it's a smaller scope because we're, we're a 12 team league or a 10 team league whatever it's not 32 teams so they're they're, they're going to be on the fringe of of starting a, a for fantasy purposes but yeah it, yeah i like that one al-kadeen muhammad actually especially going to chicago too um well, I mean, Eberflus, it's still his system, so it, it'll be similar. But um, Yeah, well, the, the Bengals is a good one, right? So you, you talked about Sam Hubbard, who is your classic blue-collar, lunch pail, stops a run, plays inside a little bit. And then you've got the other side, Trey Hendrickson, who's an who's incendiary pass rusher, but is a worse player against the run than me. Right. Um, and mainly just stands there getting blocked and, and st- looking at piles of someone else has made the tackle. So they sort of score pretty similarly in PFF terms, but wildly different sorts of players. So it'll tell us quite a lot to watch people go after that. And hopefully that will that sort of educate people on, on what different sorts of players look like. Yeah, for sure. Like Micah Parsons, for example, right? He grades really well as like a pass rusher. Um, his grade against the run wasn't as strong. So you'll see guys score well in, in a variety of different ways too at the same position, which is kind of cool. And, and, you know, there is some production based um, to the, to the grades as well. So um, like you said, with the cornerbacks, they, you know, they need to be targeted. Are they, you know, they don't have to necessarily break up a pass or or make a tackle on a play. Um, If they're in close coverage, they'll, they'll get a positive grade for things like that. But they still need to be targeted, right? So there's a little bit of production grades. We are still, we are actually working on a process that that grades all coverage defenders um, in separation, even when they're not targeted. Uh, so that hopefully gets rolled out eventually and then gets um, applied to to this format because that would be pretty cool too uh, to see how cornerbacks, like if there really is any more shutdown cornerbacks, if 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 they still exist. So that that's kind of cool. Um, I mean, oh, yeah. Anyways, I'm rambling. <laughs> you know the answer. Who was the most targeted cornerback in the NFL last year? 
Kenny, I think, right? Of course it was Kenny Moore. So, yeah. you know, Kenny Moore has a has a great season as an IDP. Racks up tackles, right? And the average IDP person, okay, Kenny Moore's really good. He had a really good player. Two years ago, or three years ago, Marlon Humphrey. Um, and they're the most targeted players in the NFL. So either they are really good and we're right, or in, in which case NFL offensive coordinators and quarterbacks are really stupid because yeah. they're going out of their way to target really good players, or maybe we're a bit wrong. I mean, there's probably a little bit of both, but really interesting sure. question. Yeah, definitely, right? It's 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 the whole Trayvon Diggs thing too again, right? Everybody loves the corner from, from the previous year, what they did, you know, production-wise. Trayvon Diggs didn't have the, the best PFF grade um, on, off the top of my head, but, you know, he, he had a bunch of interceptions, <laughs> so people love him for IDP. And um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting anyways. It, it's, it's a fun new way of kind of looking at things other than, you know, just being a fan of a team or from a fantasy perspective, there's so many different things to look at, which really makes this cool. Um, so you're telling me you don't get a great grade when you give up more than a thousand yards. Right. In that's right. Coverage. I did give up over a thousand. I could remember if it was exactly a thousand, but yeah, he gave up a thousand yards in coverage. And um, I remember one of our, our NFL writers at the time, Deontay Lee, uh, who's with the athletic. Now he had kind of, you know, uh, brought this to the to the attention and that and it found its way to uh cowboys twitter and they they hated him for it they they went after him and you know talked about the interceptions and things like that and he kept trying to explain that it's more than about just like seven plays that a player's made in a season and uh it it's pretty funny to see sometimes the the how fandom can can get so crazy that they they overlook a thousand yards uh given up <laughs> right next pop quiz um who, which, and which linebacker led the NFL in, in yards allowed last year? And I'll give you a clue. He also gave up more than a thousand yards. First linebacker in years to do that. Over a thousand. Wow. Um, oh man, it's going to be somebody. I, I have a feeling it's probably like a Devin White or somebody like that. Um, <laughs> I know Devin White was bad at it uh, previous years. Yeah, Devin White. I'm, you and me have talked about this before. We, we both have a problem because he can't stop the pass, and that's an issue. It's Jordan Brooks. So Jordan Brooks oh, was Jordan. an absolute liability. But you know, IDP world is convinced he's really good because he played 1,100 snaps or whatever. So right. Jordan Brooks, according to uh, primary coverage numbers from PFF, a thousand and ten yards allowed. Second place, Dion Jones, eight hundred and seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Third place, uh, Bobby Wagner, six seven nine. Again, because he played a lot. So so Jordan Brooks. Over a thousand, third place, less than seven hundred. That is, that's incredible. I mean, he was getting yeah. victimized out there. Yeah, that that's rough. That's, <laughs> and you know, to be to be fair to Jordan Brooks, the linebacker position gets picked on, right? Like it's it's such a Absolutely. hard position to play. And but yeah, over a thousand yards. I mean that that should tell you what it is right there. He's not going to be as good as what ID people people want him to be or think that he is, right? So yeah, no no NFL linebacker has good coverage numbers because mesh. Yeah is a really good play and <laughs> you, you can't really defend mesh very well and, and it looks bad on their numbers so. yeah exactly and it, like if you watch a linebacker try to play zone coverage they sit in the hole as soon as their feet are flat they're screwed <laughs> and, and it, <laughs> yeah. that's that's all they could do is they they sit they stand and then once their feet are planted the quarterback see, sees it and they're taken advantage of every single time they don't move the same way uh that a corner yeah. or safety would um, Kenneth Murray, uh, whilst we're talking about charges, right? Kenneth Murray has got an elite squat, the best squat in the NFL. He sinks down <laughs> his thumbs between his ankles, but he, he does it quite a lot. And he looks like a duck having a uh, having a, a <laughs> toilet break. So he's pretty easy to go after. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> all 
All right. Well, let, let's let's get into um, maybe some of the strategies that. So we we've kind of touched on. Obviously, we're going for quarterback uh, early. How we would want to kind of build a team. I'm curious, kind of what you think. Say you're drafting. I won't put. I won't say from the two spot because I don't want you to give away our uh, <laughs> your strategy for for our. No, league, no. For I'll, I'll talk about it. I'm yeah. more interested in seeing what happens. So yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll definitely be going caught by that. What I'll be doing, um, and you know, this is probably stupid because the other guys in the league uh, will probably listen to this. I will be hoping to to try and boost Justin Herbert or Josh Allen up. So somebody takes him first overall because I want them. I want my homes. Give me my homes. Um, yeah, he came off a year last year where he wasn't the best. That happens. The variance happens. Players aren't brilliant every time. But I, I'm sort of hoping I've got a shot at getting my homes there. If I don't, I will feel maybe I'll go Herbert, but I'll feel pretty sick about it. Yeah. No, I I, I wouldn't blame you. I mean, I think that's going to be one of the differences too, right? People want quarterbacks who add something to the run game for, for fantasy purposes. So I think Josh Allen is going to be one of those guys that is going to be highly coveted um, mm-hmm. because, you know, thinking that, you know, he's going to add something uh, on the ground as well, where it doesn't really matter to his overall uh, PFF score. I mean, maybe, it, you know, a couple plays here and there boost him a little bit, but overall on what he's doing, the main things that matter is what he's doing from the pocket uh, and the passes that he's making. Right. So somebody like Mahomes, who again, he didn't have the best grade uh, last year. It was a bit of a down year. He takes chances. Um, so he ends up with maybe a little bit more turnover worthy plays and things like that. But he also has a ton of like big time throws that mm-hmm. almost no other quarterback could make. Right. So those are the things that even if they don't end up as completions or, or whoever his wide receivers are, um, are dropping the balls because he doesn't have Tyreek Hill anymore he's still going to get um, positive grades because he's making those throws and he's putting the throws where, where they need to be. He's super accurate um, when it comes to things like that. So I think that makes sense uh, going for somebody like, like Mahomes. I mean, yeah, he's going to be a ahead of guys. Yeah. The second round should be more interesting. The first right. round is basically going to be, you know, pretty much young franchise guys uh, coming yeah. off. And we'll talk about age in a little bit because I'm normally I sort of write off age a little bit here. I'm way more interested in it. Right. Second round is going to be really good. Because second round is going to come back and we'll see at what point someone goes, you know what, I, I'm sitting there looking at Kirk Cousins or Trevor Lawrence. Maybe I'll just go Aaron Donald instead or, or whoever you pick. That second round when I, I want to see what the run looks like and whether people are, are diving into those elite players elsewhere or whether people are going, I just want to lock up two quarterbacks and I'll sit there. So Mac Jones is probably going to be a top 25 pick, someone like that, who, again, not a very good pick in in traditional fantasy, but potentially has got a long career of excellent, efficient passing ahead of him, could be a really good all-22 player. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And and that's and I think you're right. The second round is where things where we really start to see everybody's kind of strategy. I remember so I got to do the beta test last year for this league and and I I was somewhere in the middle to late first round. Um so I remember taking Tom Brady. So I I didn't really factor in age as much just because um, I knew how important the positional scarcity was for for the quarterback position, and I know Tom Brady is going to be a, a really good scorer in this system. He was actually the number one overall scorer uh, last year, even at whatever he is, 44, 45 years old. Um, so you might want to try to take a guy like that and then, you know, uh, follow him up with like a younger quarterback, like you said, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, if you believe in him, um, whoever. Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Burrow. we talked about. Yeah, those guys are going to get taken early, aren't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Joe. I imagine Joe Burrow, I think they have him as the number one 
um, ranked quarterback for all 22, but that's because he was the number one ranked quarterback um, last year in PFF grade. But I was trying to look more at like, um, like three year grades and to see who was kind of the most like on a, on a bit of a larger scale. And it is these older quarterbacks, right? Like Aaron Rodgers, for example, is the number one, uh, number one guy actually technically in total score. He's number two behind Tom Brady, but looking at like stable, uh, grades. So what they do from a clean pocket, uh, what they do in a straight drop back, no rollouts or, or things like that. First and second down, no play action, throws past the sticks and limiting negative yardage uh, or negative plays, I should say. Um, Aaron Rodgers ranked first in, in what the kind of model that I put together. And he's, again, he's an older guy, but he might fall. He might fall to, to mm-hmm. the back half of the first round because people are going to be more dynasty focused, but definitely somebody that if you're looking to win now and, and you still want an elite quarterback, that's going to be, I mean, a major scorer in this platform going for somebody like an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I think he he's not a sexy name. People don't like Kirk Cousins, but he grades really well in the PFF system because he limits his mistakes, right? He, yep. he makes the throws that he needs to make and he doesn't really turn the ball over as much, right? So things like that, but... Um, so yeah, a couple just, of players I'm really interested to see how they do here mm-hmm. um, is Derek Carr. Um, so... I mean, Derek Carr was was a deeply boring quarterback, and then he, he got Gruden, and Gruden made him into a really efficient, excellent, deeply boring quarterback. Um, <laughs> and it remains to be seen what he'll do under Josh Mishandles. And the other player I'm interested in is Matty Ice, because um, I, I thought he really looked like he'd taken a backward step last year. Now, we'll see how he does with the Colts. Um He's probably a quarterback, probably the number one quarterback I would not be touching. Not because I think he's going to be rubbish. I, I think the the potential payoff is is probably the worst. Sure. Versus yeah. risk. Right. No, that makes sense. And yeah, especially going to a new system, right? We don't know exactly what he's going to look like and, and things like that. He's getting older. And yeah, you, you, look, you could look at these three-year grades and say, this guy did so well over this three-year time period. But then you look at last year alone and you see somebody like, yeah, Matt Ryan, uh, Ryan Tannehill, for example, guys that didn't look as good, um, you, you could start to kind of get a little bit more worried about those kinds of guys and maybe take some shots elsewhere on, yeah, the Kyler Murrays or, or Matthew Stafford even, uh, who is an older quarterback but does still grade well um, for the most part. So, um, Well, you've got Lamar Jackson here, right? So, I mean, a few interesting things. One, we talked about a three-year period. Three years yeah. ago, he was a unanimous um, MVP. And everyone went, yeah, yeah his, his you know, touchdown percentage is going to stay the same. And, and <laughs> second year was, was okay. And then last year, he had, what, 2,900 yards passing? Something like that. Um, so I, I think he's a really good example of what variance could look like. And in a normal fantasy, you go, oh, yeah, it's fine. But um, because Konami code, rushing yards for a quarterback are a cheat code. But you guys don't care about that. It, it sort of doesn't matter if, if you're moving the sticks and making first downs and efficient and not turning the ball over you're good yep yeah and and those things are all taken into account right like the what kind of first downs they're making like if he does run for a first down and it's a good play he's going to get a positive grade for it um but also if he fumbles on that play he's going to get hit pretty hard with uh, like a negative 1.5 right so there's there's some pretty big differences especially like the turnover worthy plays you know throwing the ball right at a defender if that defender drops the interception we don't care you're getting you're getting downgraded for uh, a turnover worthy play right so uh, jimmy g i mean i love jimmy g and i love <laughs> carl shanahan so much and i think it's great offense and great fun to watch but for all of his 
fast action and good decision making and accuracy. Jimmy G just loves throwing the ball to linebackers. He yeah. does inexplicably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Jimmy G would be a risky one on here, I think. Um, and yeah, and then like just looking at like second round guys to maybe look at. You know, I I, I think I went edge rusher last year after taking Tom Brady. I think I took Nick Bosa um, or Miles Garrett. I can't remember uh, which one. I ended up nice. with both, but I went with I went with those two guys. I think back to back second and third round, while other players, other teams are going like wide, wide receiver and, and and things like that, um, which is understandable in this format. But yeah, looking at somebody like uh, an Aaron Donald, for example, who has graded consistently well throughout his entire career you know you're getting a, a player at a very scarce position um that that's going to be a, a big advantage over other players uh in the league so i think it does put those guys in the conversation for for an early pick maybe not the first round but second third round micah parsons for example linebacker like we said does not grade well in coverage they don't grade well overall. Um, they're, they're actually the lowest average uh, PFF grade across all positions. Um, so it, it maybe boosts up some of those guys that we have confidence in that they, they're going to be grading well. Micah Parsons, maybe. We've only seen one year of it. But you know, guys like Fred Warner, Levante David, Bobby Wagner, who, who we know we can trust uh, consistently, probably become a bit more valuable. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Second, third fourth and fifth round uh, is all going to be the toss up I'm looking at is do you invest in the positions that have a higher weighting i.e. wide receiver offensive tackle and edge um, or do you look at the positions where there's a very steep curve linebacker we've talked about this way before there is a very very small group of excellent NFL linebackers and a load of guys who play but aren't that good very similar to tight end very similar to um, interior line in terms of that distribution so if you have got one of those guys that you really trust is going to be a differentiating factor for a while that's more important than an extra percentage or two uh, in terms of weekly points yeah definitely and with Aaron Donald's new contract as well he probably bumps up that <laughs> that positional weight a little bit as well next time uh they, they calculate it so you know he becomes a little bit more valuable there as well um yeah. but yeah that's a good point like teams are going to look at those kinds of things and I, I think it'll be interesting to see which of those strategies ends up being uh more successful or or maybe it's you know it different levels of success in various different ways right so um it, it's pretty cool it's it's again one of the the things i really like about it is that everybody's going to have a different approach uh, at building their team as opposed to everybody attacks running back uh early and then we you know yeah. everybody loads up on wide receiver we save idps till the end you don't have to do that with that uh, with this format it, it there's a number of different ways that you can approach it and build your um basically your nfl roster right yeah, let's talk about rookies here as well. Um, so one of the one of the famous things you can do in a dynasty startup, um, Ryan McDowell calls it the productive struggle, is basically invest in youth, except you're sort of going to suck a little bit, and then, and then have a great draft the second year, and, and suddenly end up with this stud young team. Is that idea? Do you think? Because the rookies notoriously play pretty badly uh, in the NFL, right? And that's going to hurt more than it does in, in standard fantasy here. Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. That, that's one thing that I still haven't even figured out yet is how kind of rookies fit into maybe these player grades because you can't just copy and paste like college dominance or player grades um, from college to the NFL. They differ pretty wildly depending on the player uh, and what their development looks like in the NFL. So coaching and, and all kinds of things like that go into it as well, um, which I think really adds uh, another 
similar NFL experience to this this platform for sure. And when it's time to do rookie drafts, I, I think uh, every year because we have to really do the work and and project kind of how player skill sets and ability is going to translate to the NFL. I think uh, that makes it really cool as well. And and yeah, I I, I don't know that like doing that productive struggle uh, type thing is going to work because like you said, the there's not a lot of rookies that hit the ground running uh, in the NFL. And if they don't necessarily, then they might not, you know, get the opportunity later on either. So um, depending on the team and, and, and the situation. So uh, yeah, the seeing where rookies fit into like the startups is, is going to be pretty fun. I remember Trevor Lawrence was drafted pretty highly last year in the, in the startup. It would have been the first round, um, but it didn't really work out uh, in year one. Can it work out in year two? Maybe um, different coach, different system. We'll see. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of question marks around rookies more so than it would be for regular fantasy where you could project volume and where they might sit on the depth chart right yeah i'm i find that super fascinating trevor lawrence yeah. is a great example because most rookie quarterbacks are pretty terrible and then half of them have a big jump in year two and half of them um just don't right uh josh rosen hello we're looking at you the worst <laughs> oh there's a good question who is the worst quarterback in modern nfl history is it blaine gabbert or josh rosen or oh, someone God. else because I, I think it's Rosen. Rosen I, yeah, I was going to say, I, I want to say it's Rosen just because, he, I mean, Gabbert still gets chances now and then. Um, he's still playing where Josh Rosen really, I mean, he really, really stunk every time he, he had a chance. And, and <laughs> you know, so some bad. of it was some of it was like offensive line play in Arizona, but it, it can't just be put on that. He was truly awful. So, yeah, I, I think it, it would be hard-pressed. He was bad when he, when he wasn't pressured, right? There was no defenders yeah. near him. He was throwing the ball at the opposition. I mean, just hilariously bad. Anyway, poor Josh Rosen. I'm sure he's laughing at me. I'm sure he's sitting there in his beautiful house playing golf and, and feeling <laughs> terrible about it. Yeah, in <laughs> Miami or wherever he is now. I don't even know what team he's on, if he is on a team at this point, so... Yeah, it's it, it, there's there's some bad ones out there. They, these things don't always work out, right? Um, but I think that that's again kind of what makes this platform so fun is we really, you know, especially with rookies, we have to do a little bit more work because um, the sample size of what they can do on the field is a lot smaller even if they do play a ton in college it's against much lower competition levels it's it's you know completely different game than than the nfl so pro- trying to project who's going to do well from college to the pros is is a pretty tough ask and i think um it's going to make rookie drafts really interesting i haven't had a chance uh to do an all 22 rookie draft but i think it's going to be uh pretty interesting to see especially like this year's class Definitely. of quarterbacks that people weren't in love with where do they start to fall especially considering how important um quarterbacks are to this platform i mean source gardner and derek stingley i legitimate right. chances to be the first player taken overall in in rookie drafts this year right. i mean probably one of the receivers actually but you know those two what so here's an example that i sort of want to illustrate this with in my thinking i might be wrong is linebacker so in Normal IDP, we look at, I mean, we talked about this on draft night. Uh, we watched it play out in round one. You go, Devin Lloyd, he's the guy. He's clearly the top um, IDP linebacker in this class because he's going to play instantly. Um, and he's probably going to play 1,100 snaps as long as he's fit. Although he went, whatever it was, 10 picks after Quay Walker because uh, he's not going to get on the field. In, in all 22, I'm going, hmm, do I trust the Packers staff and defense to bring Quay Walker on and look pretty good, even if he's only playing 50, 60% of snaps, more than... I trust the Jag staff to develop um, talent. Yes, 100% I do, because I don't trust Jag staff to develop anything. <laughs> don't, 
I don't trust them to develop a persecution complex. Um, so that's that's going to be looking at it in a totally different way. Uh, and I sort of haven't got my head around it yet. Yeah, it is. And I think that that example specifically is, is a good one, right? Because you look at uh, who the Jags brought in as their defensive coordinator. It's it's the Bucks linebacker coach, right? They had two two different linebackers. They had Levante David, who grades really well in our system, and he's a solid uh, veteran. But they also when they were when Mike Caldwell was there, drafted Devin White, uh, so he would have been in charge uh, of developing him, right, and bringing him along. So doesn't grade well in, in the PFF system. So can Devin Lloyd <laughs> avoid that with his talent? I don't know. I watch every Buccaneers game, and Devin White's always around the quarterback. He, he's got loads of sacks. Of course, he's brilliant. You're anti-Bucks, right? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm obviously being sarcastic there, but this is a really good point, right? Uh, when when we look at the NFL, the most important thing is stopping the pass and short pass rushing is that but if we talked about flat-footed linebackers if that's what you're doing on four out of ten snaps that's a massive problem because the teams just keep converting downs yeah yep definitely and they get dinged for that every single time right so um yeah it's a good point i i i don't know i mean this like we haven't had a chance to to dive into like our draft yet and, and to kind of see it all play out, which we will, I think it's what July 30th, I think we said. Um, so still yeah. a little bit, uh, a little while away um, to see kind of how it all plays out, but it, it's there, there really isn't anything else quite like this platform out there for, for fantasy purposes, other than maybe like Madden franchise mode, um, which I, I still think, you know, they're, this is a this is a better way of doing that because you're playing against actual people and you don't act you don't have the the cheat code of being able to play against a very easy computer or something like that. So um, the, the, you're using real players in this in this case and and building an NFL team and seeing which strategies work and which don't. And um, I think like even like trading I think is going to be really kind of interesting. Like if you're looking to trade for for a quarterback, for example, you're going to be paying almost NFL prices to to try and acquire that that quarterback right you might have to give up multiple first round picks um to, to land a, a a starting quarterback for your roster if you miss out on one or if one doesn't work out or retires or whatever happens there's there's a lot that uh um that that mirrors the nfl in, in that sense too which is which is really really cool and i think something that we've all kind of wanted for for fantasy football purposes and I, i'm seeing the the excitement grow around all 22 quite a bit um just from like twitter and stuff like that which is very cool to see yeah um yeah agree uh, can i can i come down slightly the other way so obviously sure. big love fest here we can't wait to play with the platform one of the things that i'm really interested to see how it works i'm a little bit skeptical of is combined lineup setting and scarcity. So two things, really. They're pretty different. So first one, uh, you can basically use different formations, right? So on offense, we've got 11 personnel, i.e. three wide receivers, one back, one tight end, 12 personnel, two tight ends, two receivers, one running back, or 21, two running backs, uh, two receivers, and tight end, right? You know, <laughs> whether you can use a fullback on there, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bring back the fullback. Oh, we should talk about this, actually, because, you know, everyone is like, fullbacks are dead. Yeah, but the fullbacks are most used by uh, some of the smartest coaches in the league. Right. Uh, so <laughs> that's no accent. Anyway, um, and on defense, you've basically got three options, right? You've got three, four, a four, three, and a nickel, which I can't see here, but I presume it's a four, two, five nickel um, yeah. with three corners on there. So... That all makes sense, and those I sort of get that. I, if if it was down to me, I'd change those defensive settings because a four three and a three four make up what that twenty percent of snaps in the NFL. 
it's not that much. So maybe let's talk about that. But I'm sure those guys will listen to it. In fact, I know they will because I've had this chat with them. Um, but that leads into scarcity. So because we're looking at 12-team league and you can have slightly bigger and you've got a fixed 50-man roster, I, I still think some positions are going to be relatively easy to find. So with corner, obviously, you want to have good corners and that curve is going to look very different and, and much more different to IDP. But there's always going to be decent starting cornerbacks available. There will, because there's 150, 160 cornerbacks that play every week. So <laughs> you're just not going to get through them. Um, and that's going to have an impact on on value. Uh, not as much as it does in, in normal leagues, but it's still going to be relatively easy to get by because you know you can always make up for it. So I'm, I'm, I don't think it's a disaster. I certainly don't think it's going to kill it, but I'm a little bit intrigued to see what happens there and see whether you, whether you can maybe look at changing the size of rosters or, or limiting number of players and rosters. Or, or I, I don't know. I just want to see it. Yeah, for sure. Like I think there's, I think it does leave some some openness to like the waiver wire and how much we can, you know add every single week compared to what the nfl offers because obviously like you said the 32 versus 12 teams um and there are positions that are going to be more readily available than than others right so yeah, even offensive tackle i mean you're, you're starting you're starting two right and there's there's 12 teams so you have 24 offensive tackles that only make that doesn't even make up half of what is available uh in the pool right so um there's there's some there's definitely less positional scarcity with some of those positions and and you're able to kind of take advantage of that and and kind of learn as you go through the weeks right which players you know you you want to start and which ones you could try to replace off the waiver wire which is kind of fun so um yeah there's still there there's still that element of like typical fantasy that that exists with this and for those people that are active in leagues and are able to to kind of adjust in season it's going to be still good for them um and it doesn't just end at the draft for example but um yeah, oh, it's a good point for sure. I, I, I could see uh, what you mean there exactly. Um, anything else that you want to cover? Just want to talk about age a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. We sort of hinted about it earlier, but I think it's really interesting. So normally my stance is, particularly in IDP, I sort of don't care how old they are because I only care about this year. The chances of good players staying good year after year, you know, this famed 10-year starter that people talk about is a dream and it's very rarely true. Okay, it is a little bit at quarterback, um, and it happens at some positions. Um, great tight ends, great interior linemen uh, stand out, but it's very, very rarely true everywhere else. In this system, I'm much more of a believer about it. So the, the example I put in here was Jalen Ramsey versus AJ Terrell. Terrell? Terrell, however you say his name. Right? Ramsey, better player, almost certainly, probably will be a better player for next year. But man, AJ Terrell came up really fast last year. Mm-hmm. And I believe in cornerbacks keeping up that level of really good play year after year, much more than I do believe in the difference between those two players remaining the same. So I am i can't believe this. I'm, I'm coming around more to the idea of, of over-investing in youth in, in Dynasty, uh, which I never thought I'd be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it uh, but it makes sense, right? Because... They're so it's so hard to find those good players, like you said, that can actually last in the NFL. And I think AJ Terrell is a really good one. Like there's guys that are gonna emerge um as young stars, right? We we're not always gonna hit on them. Like if people were convinced that Jeff Okuda was gonna be, you know, a, a, a an NFL starter for for 10 plus years. I mean, it's still early for him, so I, I don't want to throw him under the bus uh, quite yet, right? But he has good luck to him. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean last year he got hurt, but man, that rookie yeah. year was it was bad. bad. 
Yeah. So, so there's guys like that, right? Like where if you find one or if one exists and it is sitting in the, on the draft board for you, you probably want to take that chance and, and attack that position um, so that you can have it locked up for a long time because being able to find another one, it, it doesn't come along very often. Um, especially for, like you said, that long-term kind of dynasty um, purposes. So that, that's a good point. And uh, quarterback, probably a good example of that uh, as well. Right. So, you know, if you if you do draft a Tom Brady like me, um, late in the first round, trying to find a, his replacement after that is is going to be tough. And quarterbacks come out every year. There's a lot of hype behind them, but not all of them, you know, turn into Andrew Luck or well, Andrew Luck's retired, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> Joe Burrow or, or Justin Herbert or or whoever, right? So we're we're often spoiled by some of these these guys that uh, that do hit the grounding and forget that there's a lot that that actually don't. 50% chance in the, in the first round, right? I, and it, yeah. the last few years are good examples. This win. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, all the other guys. Yeah, they're all going to be amazing. And, you know, those first two guys that came off the board have, have got a decent chance of never being really good NFL players, even after a year. Now, short optimism, we hope they turn it around, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's a question for you then. Uh, put on the spot. Who are you drafting, Levante David or JOK at linebacker? Oh, God. Two guys that I love. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that I think that's one of those situations where you you lean towards youth, right? Levante David is getting so much closer to the end of his career, I think, than where JOK is, obviously, after just one year. And it's it's a smaller sample size, but man, I, the difference, I think both are kind of these good coverage linebackers that you like, guys that you know can move and, and do what the NFL wants. Does that mean they're going to be targeted more and grade? poorly or does it mean that they're actually going to come up with positive plays and coverage and, and grade well it it's hard to say um especially after just one year of jok but i think i might i might just lean jok in that situation although levante david's really good that's tough i, I don't like that you asked me that question and <laughs> <laughs> um, one other thing i want to talk about as well i've literally just thought of this um is what about borderline positional cases um so we've got players broken out in five defensive positions and we talk about offensive line actually it's probably relevant here how how are we going to handle where they are so kyle van noy um great example spends half his time on the edge half his time in linebacker um is i simmons uh i mean he spends a lot of time running up as a bona fide pass rusher a lot of time in 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 the in the slot so if if you didn't know anything about Isaiah Simmons someone just showed you where he lined up you'd go oh yeah it's a safety because he's he's in the box sometimes and he's in the slot sometimes and he rushes the passer <laughs> that's not very different to Harrison Smith or right. Derwin James um so that's really interesting Mike Gazicki, the other one right uh, we know Mike Gazicki is a wide receiver a slot receiver who happens to be quite big and chunky and white so people assume he's a tight end but you know I don't know how he's how he's classified right no, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, he should be. I think he's on PFF. He's still listed as a tight end, right? Because that's what, um, for depth chart purposes and, and things like that, that the we have to <laughs> we have to stick with. But we we often do make changes for players that are playing more towards one position than another. Um, like a, just as far as alignment and stuff like that goes. So Kyle Van Noy, for example, I think is slightly more uh, listed as like slightly more snaps as a linebacker so i think he gets the linebacker yeah, I mean, information for us it goes week by week so i really struggled with this last year because i for my purpose i, I give a player one position and i use him yeah. as that one position all the season and you know what i think is logical is you look at which position he's played most and you call him that now 
Mm-hmm. It sort of doesn't work with safeties because you, you know, whatever. Go into the right. details of it later. But for Carl Van Noy, that would change on a weekly basis. You'd go, well, I look at his snaps this week and he played more time as linebacker over the course of the season. I look at it next week and he played a lot more edge and he, and he flip flopped. So do you change the position every week? Ah, really difficult. Yeah, and I know I know Micah Parsons posed that that issue for us last year because I think there was a point in the season early on where he was listed as an edge because he started to play so much more there, which was more result four, of, right? Yeah, exactly. So it was early on, and and he was seeing those snaps. So we 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 I think we listed him on, as an edge. I can't remember where it was if it was an ultimate or if it was actually on the um, like the premium stats uh, website, but um, that was a problem because I knew that it wasn't necessarily. The position that you know he should be listed at it was more just a position that he played because of um, necessity right so um yeah that's a good question if things will change in season i think that probably goes down to what pff decides and i, I wish i knew the answer to that i probably should but i don't um so we'll see how how they they handle it it's something that i'm actually i, I will try to track and see if uh guys change based on where they're lining up and and if it happens in season or not because that could yeah it could create some issues for for all 22 purposes right yeah I'm not, i don't, don't know if they lock the guy in much you know, kyle pitts is a really good example right so if kyle, if kyle pitts, pitts is, is a tight end you know he's going to be a tight end then i mean you didn't list him earlier because you hate him on your list of uh, elite <laughs> but you know a lot of people still tell you he's the greatest most talented player in in the world um and he you know tight end is, is way more consistent right so you can probably lock him in as one of those top five tight ends for many years, if he's wide receiver, absolutely not. He could easily be the 20th best wide receiver in the league, um, or worse or better. So I think that will make a big difference to his value. Definitely. Nope, that's a good call. And yeah, apparently I forgot uh, I do that I do hate Kyle Pitts. No, I I, I like Kyle Pitts quite a bit. <laughs> um, all right. David uh, Njoku is a good example. He's a lot of receiver as well. Right, right. Yeah, it, it, okay. So just quick, one quick note, like on the tight ends and stuff. Uh, but like, it it does add more to it, right? Because it's not just about their receiving ability where, you know, Kyle Pitts, David Njoku, um, Mike Gusecki, they're not necessarily pass blockers or run blockers or anything like that. So they they don't get that added bonus in, in, in their PFF grade where the guys that are good at it, George Kittle, for example, we know we've seen, we've all seen the highlight tape of him blocking guys 10 yards upfield. Um, he's going to end up as a great, overall um pff grade because he's he's doing everything well where it's not just receiving um so that that's a positive in in uh for him towards him anyway so it will be interesting to see if he gets the the first tight end off the board or if it's still kyle pitts like it is in most dynasty leagues a classic gronk right who is uh, you know up there with the best blocking tight end in the league at the same time as being the most dynamic uh yeah. weapon in, in the league so being fine with those guys uh, so this sets up really interesting in, in all 22 if i say pat frymouth or tj hawkinson i'm not totally sure you know they're, right. they're relatively close to me in normal offense I'm, I'm going hawkinson because you know i think there's more chance of him hogging receptions and and, and getting the volume but i mean that as a football fan not as a fantasy fan those are the questions i want to be asking myself that's right. more interesting yeah yeah for sure i can't wait to see kind of how this 
this draft plays out. And I think the guys mentioned that there was going to be a mock draft option at some point too, before our draft. So we should probably dive <laughs> I talked about it and then never that. organized it. So oh. yeah, <laughs> I will throw it out. Okay. Yeah. We could, yeah, we could throw that back in the chat and, uh, and try to get something going. Cause we still got a, a quite a bit of time and I think it would be fun to, especially after this episode to, to dive in and see exactly how things might play out. And we'll, we'll switch up the order to, to make sure we don't give away our exact strategies as well. So, um, yeah, I'm going to do that else? this weekend. So if, if anybody out there is listening and fancies coming into a mock draft with us um, and also is all 22, then use that voucher code that we talked about earlier. That will chop off 40% for you. Sign up, um, drop me and John a note, and we can do a little draft together. That would be really fun. Yep, for sure. So there we go. We're, we're just a little bit over an hour here, so we'll we'll – We'll stop at that. Um, I think it was a good conversation. Uh, I hope everyone that that was listening gives gives all 22 a try. I mean, the guys, Bobby, Chris, and Ray, they put a ton of great work into this product, uh, the website, the, the customer service of it all as well, just doing everything they can to make this kind of the best fantasy platform available. And I, I think the great part about it too is that it's going to continue to grow and evolve as they add and, and upgrade features throughout the year. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. I know Tom's excited and, and hopefully you are as well. So remember, if you are interested in getting in now, use that promo code IDP show for 40% off uh, your league. You can hit up all 20, all on, no, all 22 underscore PFF uh, on Twitter uh, if you're looking for leagues to join as well or start one with your friends to see who among you is the best candidate for an NFL general manager position. Tom, thank you so much again for coming on. I appreciate you taking some time away from the pub uh, to talk fantasy football with us. <laughs> it's always a blast. Thanks for inviting me on, John. Loved it. Awesome. Uh, and you can be found at Tom Kislingberry on the Twitter at DynastyLeagueFootball.com for all of your work. Um, and uh, yeah, and if you enjoyed this this All22 discussion, the actual creators of this platform uh, actually host a regular podcast as well, Talking All Things 22. So go check out Bobby Ray and Chris's show. Uh, I think it's just on YouTube right now, but it's it's titled The All22 Podcast. So um and uh, yeah, for those of you that want to hear Tom and I discuss IDP fantasy football, which we didn't get into uh, a ton in this episode, make sure to check out the latest episode of the Read and React podcast uh, coming soon because there will be plenty of IDP discussion in there. And then I will be back in a couple weeks on this show talking IDPs with my guy Z-Mags uh, discussing 2022 IDP breakout candidates. So I hope everyone will tune in for that. And until next time, IDP's out.